The Knicks can't lose. The Knickerbockers are winners of six straight games and are now 31-27, and 27, just a half game back of fourth in the Eastern Conference. We'll dive into the big win streak and look at the schedule ahead. Our special guest this week, diehard Knicks fan from SNY and Knicks fan TV, it's the lovely Ashley Nicole Moss. 30 wins, you know what that means, Sizzler. So let's cut the steak and get juicy next on Big Apple Bucket from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog. What's up, JYD? JYD, Jerome Williams. What's happening? What's happening, man? We Hey, look, I can feel the sizzle on the steak as we sit and parlay what just took place, and we riding high on this six-game winning streak. Let's get it. Make sure you subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcasts. And please go in there, rate us five stars, write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the continued support. SNY and Knicks Fan TV's Ashley Nicole Moss is going to join us a little bit later in the show. JYD, this is, I mean, this is great. We thought the Knicks may be going in the wrong direction, but they've since won six straight. They're in the sixth spot in the East. They could go as high as four. Now, instead of us talking about, well, maybe they're going to be a top six or maybe they're going to be a playoff team, I think now you almost expect it that this team should be one of the top six teams in the Eastern Conference and has a chance to do some damage once they get there. I think they're going to do a lot of damage. I I mean, coming off a strong win where overtime was a must, for New Orleans Pelicans, it was just fun to watch. I mean, you saw the battle back. I mean, I was sitting in in the diner, eating my breakfast, like saying to myself, we cannot lose this game. I had to turn away from the TV for a few minutes and my kids were watching. They're like, dad, 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 we're going into OT. And I'm like, yes, yes. You know, and it's just exciting because to win that game, to come back like they did, what can you say, man? Julius Randolph, 33 points, 10 assists, five steals, and five rebounds. Come on, man. Them numbers, you got to respect this dude and what he's doing and putting the Knicks on his back. Not in times where everything is high. This is when times are needed. Like right now, it's playoff time. And to see that stat line, I was saying, this is this is a point forward giving you 10 assists, five steals, and rebounds to boot. Like, come on, man. Yeah, he's good. been next level. And Bullock hitting the big three to tie the game, to send it to overtime. Look, we talk about the Knicks being able to take a punch in season, right, as a team. They were going the wrong direction. We thought, oh, man, it's going to be rough the second half of the schedule. They lose six of seven or whatever it was. Then they come back now and have gotten off the mat and win six straight. And in that game was kind of a microcosm, JYD, where they had that happen against New Orleans, where they're getting behind in a game that, you know, they had the lead early. Then they're late. They're getting behind. Then they're down in that game extremely late until Bullock hits the three to tie it. And then they breeze in overtime. They've shown you they could take a punch within the game, within the season. How important is that for a team and their confidence moving ahead, looking ahead to the postseason? Well, it's very important. I mean, considering the fact that, you know, they come out of the the halftime and lose the, the third quarter 35 to 22 you know those are the kind of lapses where you're like ah you know like you said you know that the other team goes up and you're you're saying to yourself are we going to be able to come back they have a dead even fourth quarter but then in ot it's like they turn the gas back on with derrick rose's 23 points 
second leading scorer. You know, that's a vet that, you know, down the stretch, he's going to be able to do a lot of good things for the Knicks, I believe, because he's the one person on this team with upper echelon playoff experience. And he knows how to get it done. Guys, what's fun about this team is there are unsung heroes every night. And there is someone different making contributions to the point where Taj Gibson had to fill in for a role. We thought Nerlens Noel could be badly hurt. And the Knicks were about to be screwed with just him and Norvell Pell as their centers. I really thought he was going to be done for the year. He comes back in the game and he got his Meek Mill voice on. And he said, welcome to my block party, party. I mean, he had a block of the century, a highlight reel up on the rim. I mean, just an incredible block. He had a monster game. But Gibson, even 14 boards off the bench, getting that kind of contribution, he didn't need to score a lot. So it's really just different roles and different plays. For the Bullock three you talked about where Stan Van Gundy threw his entire team under a large yellow bus when he said, High school players know to foul there. They did not foul. What are they doing not fouling there? Up three with seconds to go. Why are you not fouling? And Bullock gets a good look and knocks it down. You know, Jake, you're talking about something that we've touched on really all year long. And Nick Vance, whatever reason, didn't. Oh, Taj Gibson or Derrick Rose, whatever. Or Mitchell Robinson going down. But we've talked about these guys filling their roles. I love watching these guys Play sound, solid basketball. Taj Gibson giving you quality minutes. Nerlens Noel, and this is maybe the highest compliment that I can pay him, he is the first Nick to wear number three since John Sarks that I've actually liked. That's how good that he's been. He he deserves to wear that number three. He does his job playing some terrific defense. That's what they do. Thibodeau knows what he wants. Leon Rose and the front office help them bring in players who are going to fit the roles that uh, you know Thibodeau uh, wants them to fill. And so when a guy like Mitchell Robinson goes down, they're not totally screwed because they have a guy in New Orleans Noel who could be a rim protector. They get Taj Gibson who could give you some veteran minutes and pound the boards and play some solid defense. So you, you love these. And that adds up to ultimately winning some games. Even Alfred Payton, you mentioned Rose, JYD. The, this is a team in every sense of the word. They're not the greatest team. They're not the most talented team, but they play together as a team, and you see it in a resilient win like the one that they had on Sunday against the Pelicans. Think, JYD, if Obi, Frank, and oh. Knox gave them anything. Like, I know Knox made one shot, and, you know, Frank had a dumb foul late, but if, if those three could even score four points a game, I mean, the Knicks – the Knicks win five to ten more games. Preach, Jake. Preach. If they had contributions from it. Now, that's how you have success, right? As a team, you have to dread. It's not just about going out there and trying to pick off other stars. Because that's hard to do. That's far and few between. It's not just about paying top free agents. It's about drafting and developing. And had the Knicks gotten anything, and we know it's a different regime, but had they gotten anything from Neil Aquina or Kevin Knox, imagine where they'd be. Obi Toppin, who is this regime, was supposed to be an impact player right out of college well that has not been the case but imagine where they'd be and you know what it's good to see Emmanuel quickly being moved back to kind of the off the ball two guard I think that's where he's going to thrive as opposed to the way he came up and was kind of you know taking the league by storm for the Knicks for a little while as being an on the ball point guard we know what they need we know they can upgrade but for right now this has been such a fun season and such a an easy team to get behind and root for. And now I think we could definitively say where maybe there was some trepidation and some doubt about how good they are or how good they could be or what the win total will be or where they're going to be in the postseason. Now we could say, JYD, with some confidence, this team is a, is a good basketball team. They're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And I look forward to their first-round playoff matchup, a matchup that regardless of who they match up with, 
they should have a chance. I mean, you don't want to see Brooklyn or Philadelphia in the first round if you could avoid it. But if they finish four, five, or six, they're going to have a chance to win that first round matchup. Charlotte tonight at the Garden. Producer Jake's going. They got Atlanta, who's another one, playing them Wednesday. And then Saturday against Toronto. Monday against Phoenix, which is going to be their toughest game out of the next four before we join you again next Tuesday. But this homestand, and if the homestand finishes with Chicago, realistically, they could win one, two, three. I mean, they could go four of the next five. And maybe that's something that they're going to have to do to get that four seed. But that could happen. It's right there in front of them. If one of those wins or two of those wins are against Atlanta and Charlotte, then that will give them a bump up above them. So you could conceivably seeing them possibly get to that fifth spot. The West Coast trip that comes up in the beginning of May, that's what everybody was dreading, saying, oh, for a a team that might be, in all likelihood, be a fringe playoff team, that's a stretch that could potentially bury them. Well, that's changed now, because I don't think the Knicks are a fringe playoff team. Now it's about seeding. They also have this stretch of, we mentioned, uh, as we mentioned, the last five, uh, or the next five, our home games, you know, following up or continuing the six-game homestand, starting with the win on Sunday against the Pelicans. This is where the Knicks have to do some damage against teams that they could and should beat before hitting the road at Houston, at Memphis, at Denver, at Phoenix, at Clippers, at Lakers. That is, that's a tough stretch. I am going to take credit for starting this win streak. I was there at the overtime game against the Grizzlies. I take credit for that start of the win streak. That was the start of the six-game win streak. So I'm taking full credit because my chance of defense. That was Dude, the game. Uh, you're, you're right. That Produce, was the start. That was Wait the game a minute. that turned it Wait around. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to go to Brian and Sal on this. Until you get the pastrami sandwich in your system at, at, at Nick Games, we know you're not at, at 100%. You're not. You're only piping at about 65, at 65 at tops, probably topping out at probably 36, 37%. You really think about it. Without that pastrami sandwich to really fill up the gut, you are not at full capacity and you don't have, you know, that defensive chance. You could even hear it in his voice. Didn't have the depth that the defensive chance needs to give the energy to the crowd. So I can say that you did contribute, but I cannot give you full unbeknownst credit, Jake. I'm sorry, (laughs) brother. Dog Pound has spoken. That changes tonight because I am eating a big meal before I go to the arena. A great meal. I might eat some meat candy, have some meat sweats. (laughs) and take my fat-ass, chubby-cheek meat sweats into the garden to see the Knicks win seven straight against the Hornets, baby. Go, New York! Go, New York! Go! I mean, Producer Jake, you're logging more minutes than Julius Randle this year. How many games you going to, for goodness sake? My, I <laughs> Listen, mean, you took it a year away from me. A year of games. I'm trying to put it all together. He took it away from me when he said meat candy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what that's what that? it's called. What it's, the inf- it's, it's burnt ends at Butcher Bar in a story of meat candy. I'll, I'll show you a picture, but it's it's literally... Uh, Please don't. Yeah, Please don't. Leave that to yeah. yourself, brother. I, I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating hearing you talk about it. But you look at there. I mean, that was the game. When you look back, they were struggling, losing six of seven, coming off those heartbreaking losses to the Nets, to the Celtics, and then that game against Memphis where they somehow come back and win that game, miraculous. And the streak began, and here we are. As producer Jake is showing us a Here's the meat candy, JY. She doesn't look that bad. Oh, it, it does Unbelievable. Does like some meat candy right there. That's a pregame meal for champions. It's a pregame meal for the team that's going to get the four seed in the Eastern Conference. I got to get myself to the Garden. I, I don't know what we're doing here. We got to figure out a way. We want, The Knicks got their 30 wins that we said, uh, talk about Sizzler. You know, 31 and counting now. 
now for this Knicks team. You know they're going to be in the playoffs. It's one thing to go to a basketball game. It's another thing to go to a playoff basketball game at the Garden. And those are, you know, they just haven't happened often enough in the last 20 years. So when you have an opportunity to do that, it's going to be, I'm sure it'll be difficult to get tickets. But man, well, we got to out To get in, we're going to have to give up your newborn baby. Congrats on wow. your first baby. Thank you. Uh, are you willing to give her up, Samira, correct? Yes, Samira. Uh, we had her on Friday at 325 in the afternoon, just a, a hectic, crazy, chaotic time, and it's been a surreal few days. But yes, it, it's going to be rough to get out of the house. I got a text literally this morning. First of all, I do the overnight show on WFA and Radio in New York, so I, I barely wake up. I'm groggy at like 11 o'clock, and I wake up to see text. Was this ye- yesterday or today, Jake? I get confused. But I saw the text from Jake saying, hey, can you go to the Knicks game? So Monday today. night, Monday yeah. night. There you go. I, I'm getting my days are all confused. I'm like, dude. He's like, oh, I know you. You know, you got work and maybe the baby. Any chance you could go to the game? Yeah, <laughs> I, the in, in my dreams, I could go to the game. I wish I could get to a Nick game and get out of the house. There's no chance. I'm this is why I'm single. Back. Yeah, right. This is why I'm single, Sal. No baby. No, just the only baby's the one in my belly, a food baby. That's the only thing I got to worry about. <laughs> right. How much is that weighing in at six pounds and 15 ounces? What do we got there, producer Jake? No, it's it's, it's probably a 12 pounder in there. <laughs> oh, a 10 ounce strip steak off the Amex of uh, JYD coming uh, next month. I'll tell you, though, it's one thing, like I said, the regular season, it's been great that producer Jake going to these games. And I know that the Knicks are going to they're going to have uh, max or not max capacity, more capacity starting May 19th. So that is right. That's just in time for the playoffs. Nothing with the regular season, assuming the Knicks get there and then play some um you know home games it's going to be great to have it at what is it 25 percent capacity i'm yeah, hoping I think it'll be to get 25 there. now if if they are in the play-in it could affect it because it's right around those two play-in games so if they are in the play-in they might not if they're not they should be good now i have a question now, oh because the plans earlier i have a question about the plan because my only experience with it was in the bubble a year ago how does that work with home and road now with the play i think the the higher seed gets both it's two games so basically the higher seed has two chances to win at home um i i think i'm not positive but i believe that's it i think you might be right because it wouldn't make sense to be traveling back and forth but like i said last year it didn't really matter because it was in the bubble so technically they were all you know neutral site games but this hopefully is a team that does not have to worry about the play-in. They should be better. Randall, we talked about, has been great. The development, continued development of R.J. Barrett, seeing the role players do what they need to do. We mentioned the schedule um, the week ahead after winning six straight, starting with that great game that producer Jake was at against the Grizzlies. They've taken care of business since then with some impressive wins. On the road in New Orleans on Wednesday, on the road at Dallas on Friday night, and then you know some resiliency against the Pelicans on Sunday, getting to overtime with the big Bullock three and then winning that game ahead. They have the Hornets, the Hawks, the Raptors, and the Suns all before hitting the road for a six-game road trip. So it's going to be a fun stretch. This has been a fun year. It's been great to you know follow this team from start till now of the season. I can't wait to finish it out and see them get in the regular season. But let's enjoy some of these home games now that the Knicks have coming up here. Hopefully they can get fat and continue to climb the standings in the Eastern Conference. Coming up getting next. Fat, getting fat is a theme of this show. Yeah, here we go. You I know. Keep exactly. throwing that word around. Jesus. Yeah, sorry, Producer Jake. <laughs> I know. And JYD, we gotta, what, what's going to be the deal with the stakes here? Are we going to Sizzler? Where are we going exactly? To, we might have to limit Producer Jake's intake here. I don't we, do. we do. We do. We have to limit it, man. We're going to have to figure that out. That's for sure. We yeah. don't want meat overload. Um, all right, we got, we got meat coming up. candy coming out, you know, out of his ears. <laughs> like, I, you know. Right. 
too much of that stuff could be uh, could be troublesome. We have Ashley Nicole Moss coming up on the other side. She's a diehard Knicks fan and pa- very passionate. We we're curious to get uh, her take on this tremendous Knicks season so far. So stay tuned for that. It's Big Apple Buckets on the New York Knicks podcast. <laughs> Joining us now on Big Apple Buckets, die-hard Knicks fan. You can catch her on SNY, Sports Illustrated, Knicks Fan TV, and iHeartRadio. Anything else that uh, we're leaving out there, Ash? Let's welcome in the lovely Ashley Nicole Moss. You can follow Ash on Twitter and Instagram, at Ash Nicole Moss. And how fun, Ashley, as a die-hard Knicks fan. Now, I know I'm assuming you're a little bit younger than I am. I'm the old man of the group here. But how fun has it been for a team that has been largely irrelevant for the past two decades essentially how fun has it been to be here on now we're taping this april 20th where this team is legitimate they're going to be a playoff team they're six right now in the eastern conference and it has been an extremely fun season it's a lot of fun i mean i remember the last winning season for us was back in the day with carmelo who's one of my favorite players of all time been a big fan of him since he was at syracuse so having him come back home the red hook kid come back home to the new york knicks that was a fun time that was a good era but it's been a dry spell since then it hasn't been the most fun to be a New York Knicks fan in a while. So this is just exciting to watch. I think also when you look at it, the trajectory of this team is headed in such a positive direction. We're only going up. And I think we've exceeded the expectations that even the fans have had for this team. Because if you ask people what the projected win total was, people had them in the 20s. Some people had them in the mid-20s. Nobody had them looking the way that they're looking right now. And I think it's also fun watching the media, some media outlets, just kind of like not know what to do when it comes to the New York Knicks. Do they give us credit? Do they not give the team credit? How do we go ahead and have this conversation I still think that's a a losing battle it's a tug of war constantly we're still fighting for respect because there's that other team across the bridge who's stealing all the shine even though they're new to this and we're true to this but it's a really really exciting time to be a New York Knicks fan I couldn't be happier it's not only an exciting time but uh I was actually uh peeping some of your work Ashley I did my research (laughs) Uh dog pound always checks in and what you had to say about Julius Randle with the MVP lack thereof conversation really struck my attention. I said, you know what? Here's a young lady knows her way around the court. Now, <laughs> what I'm going to say is the NBA does this throughout the history of the game where you have a team that's in the playoffs, as you spoke about in the sixth spot. They mention other guys in the same light and don't mention Julius Randle as a player that even should be in the conversation of MVP with the numbers that he has. I just want to hear your thoughts on whether or not that's a Tom Thibodeau thing or whether that's a Julius Randle thing. I mean, I think it's hard to not credit Tom Thibodeau for what this team looks like. You would be crazy not to, but I think it's a slap in the face and it's disrespectful to players when you say that, oh, Tibbs is the MVP of this team because when the Warriors were winning, Or, you know, you look at some other teams that were doing really well. The 76ers right now look fantastic. Joel Embiid's having a much better season than he was last season before Doc Rivers got there. But Joel Embiid's considered in the MVP conversation. So to discredit Julius Randle's efforts on the court, especially knowing what he looked like last season, it's a complete night and day from him. I just think it's disrespectful. And look, I'm not saying that Julius Randle should win MVP. I want to make that very, very clear. But I'm simply saying that we can't have this 
different criteria for different players. We can't have this political award. We can't have a favoritism award. If Steph Curry's in the conversation with the Warriors sitting at ninth, if Damian Lillard's in the conversation with the Trailblazers at six, if Luka's in the conversation with the Mavericks sitting at seven, then Julius Randle should be in the top 10 conversation as well. He is the sole reason outside of the coach because the coach does not win the MVP award, despite what people may feel about that. They're not, they're not up for the award. That, that's not how that works. Julius Randle is the sole reason the Knicks are where they are right now. He is the nucleus. He is the heart and soul. He is the captain. He's been holding this team down since day one. And yes, you have a lot of other players who are doing their part. I'm a big fan of RJ Barrett. I call him the nine guy. That's my guy. But it's Julius Randle. So if anybody should be in the MVP conversation for being an important part of a, a team and keeping them in the postseason as of right now, it's Julius Randle. All I'm saying is give him his proper respect. Keep him in the conversation just like you are other players who are doing just as well or not as well as the New York Knicks. That's my point. Ooh. But how about the fact that Julius Randle gives it every night? He shows you that he cares, like the 90s Knicks, at both ends of the floor, passionate, being a leader, and wanting to win, prioritizing that as a team. That's what I love most about Randle, his passion night in, night out. The work ethic is great. The, the fact that he's become an all-star is great. That passion is something that New York fans can certainly get behind. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a New York mentality thing, though, too. You don't really kind of you don't care about what the outside noise is. I mean, even if look at the conversations that the media tries to some media outlets, this narrative they try to push that there's a rivalry between the Nets and the Knicks. There is no beef like there's only beef when you guys bring it up because real New Yorkers know what time it is. Real New Yorkers know who runs New York, who runs the city. It's not the team across the bridge. The Knicks have been here since day one. We never went to a different city, a different state, a different city. The team has been here since day one. So that's a totally different conversation. For me, it's just more about a respect thing because if this was any other team, and I think that's where Knicks fans get upset because it's a lack of respect. No one's saying that you have to stroke our ego. The Knicks franchise, the Knicks fan base, they don't need it. We don't need it. We know where we're going. We know where we're headed. We know what's going on within our four walls. But it's just constant. Even if you look at what happened during the Mavs game, we beat the Mavs. The Knicks beat the Mavs. And then in the in the post-game show on all these different outlets, all they're talking about is Luka this, Luka that. Meanwhile, Julius Randle dropped 30-plus points, and the Knicks got the win. It's just this constant, like – brush off of what the Knicks are doing and it's just it's the lack of respect that I think rubs fans the wrong way we don't need the accolades we don't need the high praises we don't need like I said the ego stroking but it's just like you see what's happening like just give just give us some respect you know what I'm saying just just notice what we're doing and just give us some respect. That's I guess that's that's all I want. Put some really. respect on our names. Facts. And I mean, look, the Knicks are still a work in progress. I don't think anybody says that this team is where it needs to be or where it's going to be next season, the season after that. Offensively, you still need more shooters. You still need to land that big fish to join Julius Randle. You need to see more from Obi Toppin because Julius Randle can't be out there playing 40 minutes a game and dropping 44 points every single, he's going to be gassed when it comes to the po the postseason. I mean, you already kind of saw it a little bit after the all-star break. He was just out. He's just gassed. He was winded. That's also because Obi can't go ahead and hold down some of the load like he was supposed to, which is one of his scouting points is that he was supposed to be NBA ready. He's far from NBA ready, but that's a totally different conversation. 
I just feel like when it comes to the respect factor, if this was any other team, I mean, you look at the Mavericks who are not performing as well as we are. You look at where they are in the standings in their conference, and it's like they get all these accolades. Luca this, the person who shall not be named, the other guy on the team. Um, now, wait a minute. Are you are you a, you're a KP hater? No, sir. No, sir. No, no Why are you a KP hater? It's not his fault. The Knicks, you're you're one of those anti-KPers? I was an anti-KPer when we drafted him. But that's a different conversation. Me too, but there are there are reasons for that. But I already knew that wasn't that situation gonna wasn't gonna work out but you know i'm not the jedi master so i don't have the kind of leeway or the say so that he did at the time but that was a disaster from day one so i'm not even gonna mention his name Ah. (laughs) well he did at least the reason why i like Porzingis. look compare him to neil akina or knox i mean look even obi toppin who i agree with you i think it's an excellent point obi toppin they said was nba ready supposed to make an impact enough i don't want to see him shooting any threes he's horrible shooting the ball and he hasn't made any impact but Porzingis, the reason why i liked him actually after the initial draft pick i hated the draft pick because he showed talent. He was the first guy that maybe gave you some hope that they picked. Now, who knows how what went down. And, every, and I think the Knicks are far better off. But I am surprised that the Knicks fans who boo Porzingis and hate Porzingis, and here we are, you're one of them, Ashley. Hate's a strong word. It's interesting to me. And it's always interesting when you see a guy leave a situation and he performed a certain way within that situation. Then he goes elsewhere and all of a sudden he's like a brand new person. That I don't like because the effort that he gives the Dallas Mavericks and you see it on the court whenever he's able to play because he's not injured or whatever the case may be. It's I don't feel like the Knicks got that same effort. I could be wrong. I could be standing alone in that opinion. I just, it it irritates me. It's kind of like, you know, the Houston fans, how they feel about James Harden. It's like you left Houston and now all of a sudden you're like a brand new person. It's like, you know, when an ex gets out of your ex. James Harden was giving buckets in Houston. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Throw somebody else out there. He was doing it. He was doing. He might have put on a few extra pudding pop belly rolls like in the last two three months. But that man was giving buckets straight up. I I mean, in terms of what he promised to bring to the city of Houston, he promised a championship. He said, if you give me the pieces that I need, whether it's Westbrook, whether it's CP3, whether it's whoever, I will bring a championship to the city of Houston. And every time in the postseason, that promise looked to get further and further away from the truth. And now he's going, he's in Brooklyn. That is probably, they're they're probably going to make it to the NBA finals or the conference finals, whatever. And it rubs fans the wrong way. Cause like, where was that energy when you were with me? It's kind of how I feel with Porzingis. It's like, where was the energy that you portray in Dallas? This mentality, this winner mentality, where was that in New York? If if, if you're going to portray that type of a player mentality, that type of skill set, where else would you do it but New York City? Like, New York could have been Porzingis City. Like, this, that could have been you. Ash, what do you think is the next step in this process? Is it Lonzo Ball this summer? Is it another name this summer that they add to the puzzle where this team could maybe be top three or four in the East for years to come? I really like Lonzo. I like the Lonzo conversation. I wouldn't sign him for more than 20. Like, I, I'm not giving him any more than that just because I don't feel like he's there yet. I think Lonzo could bring a lot to the table, though. It's going to help you with scoring. It's going to help you with assists. It's going to help you moving that ball around, the ball movement that Tibbs is such a big fan of. Um, I think also Lonzo <laughs> – I mean, I can't wait to see LeVar and Spike Lee courtside together. That would be hilarious in itself. Like, that would be just prime television. But I think Lonzo has a New York mentality. I think he'll be able to play well here, and a lot of people cannot play in New York, and that's just a proven fact. Um, 
I think also you still need to land that big name. Now, whether that happens next in this offseason or the following offseason, that I don't know. But you definitely still need to land that big free agent, that big superstar power. That's going to be the huge difference maker. Some people say Kawhi. Some people say Zion. Some people, I mean, it depends on who you ask. I think those are going to be the missing pieces. You just need to get that offense moving. I mean, you can't rely on the same three guys to take shots consistently. You need to have enough shooters. That's what makes some other teams so dangerous is, I mean, Warriors aside, because Steph Curry is a cheat code. He doesn't count. But in normal situations, one of the strongest things about a team is you never know who's going to have that ball in their hand because you just have an offense full of shooters. And that makes it very, very hard to defend guys like that because it's like you lock one guy down, you have four others that can take the shot. That's what the Knicks are missing because defense is not their weak suit at all, which is a godsend because I'm a huge fan of defense in basketball. And that's exactly why, I, first of all, I agree with you, defense first and the, or the foundation that the organization has built. That's something that this city can finally be proud of. And I love it. That's why I don't want Lonzo Bolo. They need more shooting mm-hmm. and his issue is shooting. So I want a point guard. Now, I know I'm asking for a lot, but I want a point guard who could be a top scorer, a guy who could shoot from the outside, not just be a facilitator. I'd take him as an upgrade, but I, I, he's not there. And, you know, if R.J. Barrett can improve his shooting as quickly as he did, then what's Lonzo Ball's issue? So, so that you want work. Chris Paul? Well, I mean, I want yeah, Chris Paul ten years ago is what I'd want, and I, I look, I take Chris Paul now, but it's Aww. you know, you you want Hold somebody. On. I know you didn't just throw that dagger out there. You yeah, said you well, want a point guard who can shoot. I'm, I'm looking a, at free agency. He was always one of my favorite players. I'd take him, but I mean, JYD, he's getting older now. I mean, come on, look James. what he's doing at Phoenix, though. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. That's fair. Look, he's been great everywhere he's gone. I love Chris Paul as a player. Always been one of my favorite players, but I just feel like it'd be typical that the Knicks would get him now as he's you know I know he's been great but still at some point father time is undefeated and who would, and, who would you want like a Fred Van Fleet I mean I don't uh, probably not. like who else would uh, you want outside of I mean the thing about Lonzo the reason I'm also looking at it is because Lonzo's young so the Knicks again won't be ready next season yeah. but what you ha- have in Lonzo Ball you have somebody I think he's averaging 14 points this season and about like five or six assists so you have someone who maybe not will not be able to put up the big numbers on the board, but he's going to get that ball moving. He's going to get that offense running and clicking. And he's young. So because the Knicks are not supposed to be a contender next season either, you still have time for him to get better in terms of shooting, just like R.J. Barrett did. He has that time to grow and learn, and he's young enough to where you're not like, okay, time's a ticking. Get right. that shot up. It, it's I Sal, like who do they get? Do they go, do you go Lonzo or do you go CP3? Uh, I'd probably prefer. See, I like what Ashley's saying about him being young. I think that makes a lot of sense. But if you're asking me which player do I prefer right now to win, it's Chris Paul. It's not even close. Here's what really the answer is. They need to draft and develop. And that's the only way you're going to have real success. They've done that well for the most part. Imagine how good they'd be if they actually got something from Toppin, Knox, Mila Kina. I mean, imagine how good they'd be. These are top picks we're talking about, and they've gotten zero essentially from them. Uh, Ashley, I want to know how far back you go. Do you remember JYD hitting the boards, the dog pound? I mean, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony. I go back to the 90s, which is my favorite team, Starks and Ewing and Oakland. I'm sure you know about the history of those teams. But how far back do you go as a diehard Knicks fan? I mean, that I can vividly remember, probably Marbury, because I'm only 27. So, like, that's what I can vividly remember. But, I mean, NBA films is a great thing. Um, Latrell Sprewell as I got hanging out behind me, is one of my favorite players, one of my favorite Nick players. Um, but I'm a big fan of just the history. Everything from Clyde Frazier to Sprewell to Marbury, Starberry, that era, 
to Alan Houston, who was one of my first crushes ever, childhood crushes, um, to the Carmelo Anthony era, to where we are now, I've just been able to, whether I've been able to visually experience it like in real time or after the fact. I think one of the things that I love about this franchise is it's very rare to find such loyalty. I think you can only find that kind of loyalty also. I, I, I'll give the Lakers credit. I think the Lakers franchise, that fan base, um, is extremely loyal. I've seen them rock with that team when they were not good. I've seen them do it when they were winning championships. But the Knicks, man, they it's because it, I think it, it takes a different type of loyalty to stay true to a team that has been bad for so many years, like that has not won a championship in decades. Like that is commitment. It's easy to be a fan of whatever team LeBron's on or whatever team Kevin Durant's on or even the Miami Heat or anything that, like that's relevant and they've been winning. And yeah, they may have a bad season, but they still have won in the past decade. It's different to be loyal to a team that just breaks your heart every single season, which is why I think Knicks fans are so just enamored and ecstatic about where this team is right now and are so protective of how the media speaks about them, how other people speak about them, because it's been a long time coming and not a lot of fans of the NBA or of teams in general can say that they've seen a team be bad for so many seasons and are still a fan of that franchise. We're essentially the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. Like it's that, it, that's basically what we are. Like Try being Mets, Knicks, Jets like me. You have the dynamic trio. I haven't seen one title in my life from any freaking sport. Can't relate. I'm a Yankees fan, so I don't have oh, to. So, so Sal, <laughs> basically to answer your question, Ashley was not in the dog pound. She wasn't, she's she, not familiar. She was, she wasn't familiar with the she was she was rocking starberry jerseys and alan houston my teammates that's cool though as long (laughs) as she was rocking one of my boys it's all right but i understand she was too young to really understand the power and the force of the dog pound baby and even Alan Houston, I was I was young when he was playing like don't get me wrong like i i don't even think i was what probably like seven or even that one Alan Houston before Alan Houston like oh, yeah. had to retire. Yeah. So I, that was That's even right. a You were a young, yeah. you were a young basketball mind. Your, your whole GM thoughts were, were configured around, you know, the star players. I get it. I do know from stories from my dad, though, that 1999 was a good year until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's the thing, and that's why it's hard for me to hear you, and I know you're much younger than I am. I'm 41, so we have obviously a different reference point. But to hear you say they're the Cleveland Browns, that kind of hurts my heart. I'm not saying you're wrong over the last 20 years, but I grew up expecting not only the Knicks to be in the playoffs every year, not only to win 50 games every year, minimum they would win a round I mean if you were to ask 14 or 15 year old Sal hey in five years or 10 years the Knicks aren't going to make the plus they'd be like what <laughs> not, make, not make the playoffs they make the playoffs rolling out of bed make the playoffs what are you kidding me it's a matter of how far they're going to go in the playoffs that was every year and since then since around 2000 or whatever it's been you, you've had essentially 20 years that's a whole generation that has seen just yeah, right. That is seen, right. Me. Exactly. You. It seems slop out there. It's an embarrassment to a point where I couldn't even care about it as much because they were just so bad year in, year out. And now it's starting to come back. And I really think because they built this foundation, not to say that they're going to be consistent playoff contenders for the next 10, 20 years. Who knows? Maybe they maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But you can see it going in the right direction where it's not just a false 154 win year with Carmelo and then you know have that blown up. They're really building something here. And hopefully – 
they could get back to being the important yeah. team in the town like they were in the 90s. It's yeah. We need it in New York sports. And that's why they say Knicks fans are inherited. They're not just grown out of thin air because you look at me, somebody who was born in the early 90s and didn't really understand basketball until they got probably around seven or eight years old. All you know is a losing team, but you, the Knicks are a rare franchise because that's passed down from generation to generation because no young kid is going to pick a losing franchise. It's just not, it's, it's it, that fandom is passed down to you. I was a Knicks fan before I was even born. I mean, there's a photo of me. I think I'm like six months old and I have a New York Knicks snapback on my head. It's bigger than my entire head. I didn't have a choice on what fan on what team I was a fan of. My dad made sure that I was a Knicks fan from the jump. So that's interesting to see, too, when you see all these younger kids who live in New York and they're Brooklyn Nets fans. They don't know why, just because they like Kevin Durant or they like James Harden. And then you go to the Garden and you see this is real New York. These are people who have seen this team go up and go down and go stagnant. And that's what makes the difference, and I think, in the franchise and in the support that the team receives. Because when those big three leave that team across the bridge, I guarantee you their fans are going with them. But when the Knicks, regardless of who's on that team, if you're a fan of that orange and blue, it doesn't matter who's suiting up on the court. You're a fan of that team regardless. And I think that is a huge difference maker and why people are so excited to finally have a good team because it's been a long time coming. And Ash, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm 30. So I, I'm, I was eight in, uh, when they made the finals 99. So we've just experienced losing. And I was uh, for six or five. Years. So I was, yeah. like, I was like a baby. In the preseason on any of your shows, did you have your prediction of how many wins the Knicks would have this year? What was your prediction? So I'm always an optimist when it comes to the Knicks. I actually had 30. I did. I had 30. Everyone thought I was crazy. I said that I've been a fan of Julius Randle since the beginning. I've been an RJ Barrett crusader since the beginning. And I always said that this was going to be a different year for RJ. Julius, I wasn't 100% sure. I was hopeful. But RJ, just because of, you know, you hear him talk about how he was getting shots up three times a day in the gym, I said, you're going to get a different RJ Barrett this year. It's not going to be the same, you know, player who was almost afraid of the New York spotlight. He's going to come out with a different mentality. And I was right. I mean, this RJ is so impressive at just 20 years old. I mean, it's sometimes I watch him like you're only 20. Like it's not only the way he plays, but it's, it's his mentality. He's able to kind of ignore what has already happened. Sometimes as a player, you get inside your own head, right? Shots aren't falling. Offense isn't clicking. You're down by 20 and it gets in your head and it affects you moving forward throughout the game. RJ has this ability to kind of ignore what he's already done. It's in the past. I can't fix it. Let me focus on what's ahead. And he gets into these zones where it's just like he's raining threes from that corner. He's driving it to the paint or he's forcing fouls. And it's like he totally forgot like he's down by 20 or his shots weren't falling. Excuse me. Excuse me, Ashley. Can I can I just stop you for one yeah. second, please? Jake, did Ashley Nicole Moss just give the sizzler prediction for the Knicks? Yeah, she has no idea what we're talking about. But JYD, beginning of the season, said 30. Please inform me. He said 30 wins, and he said if we get to 30, we're getting a steak dinner. And they reached 30 the other day. So now we're eating. Congratulations. (laughs) JYD, you remember what we were saying? I said they were going to get 31 for your former uniform number. And here we are. They have 31. We were all wrong. The Knicks are going to win far more than 30 or 31 games. Far more, baby. They're going up. They're going to places we didn't even dream of. (laughs) What's What's the new bet? 
<laughs> I guess, no, well, no. If we get to, look, if we get to 40, we, what do we, we, we just, hey, we were hoping for the best. We were thinking, we're cashing you know out. What? This is, we feel it. We're here now. No. So guess what? We don't have to re-up. We just I got a new bet. Yeah. If, if they get to 40 wins, JYD's buying us playoff tickets. Dude. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey. That I like. Mash is in too. You got to get four tickets. Four of us on JYD. Let's go next. I'll put the call in. That's what I'm going to do. Well, I think the the expectation now, right? So we joke about how many wins they should have coming into the year. And I do think 30, 31, whatever. That was, you know, we were shooting for the stars. Although you you could make some legitimate reasons. Randall and R.J. Barrett and certainly Thibodeau and that, you know, playing hard, whatever. So where they are now is surprising everybody. But you could still think that they would be better than is expected. The expectations in season now raise, right? So where we're looking at it, even a week ago or two weeks ago, hey, can they hang on, be one of those play-in teams? Now you're looking at it saying, hey, this team should legitimately be one of the top six teams. And then you say, okay, well, can they win around? I'll be honest with you. And I, I hope this is not the Knicks fan in me coming out, but I believe because of the way that they took a punch, you know, hitting that losing streak just recently and then coming back out of it, because of the way that Randall has continued to play at a high level, because of the development of R.J. Barrett, who is mature beyond his years. You're right, Ashley, and you can see that. And I never thought he had it in him as far as the shooting. That's there. They're playing as a team. They're playing with confidence. I would not be shocked if they beat a team like Milwaukee, if they beat the Hawks or the Celtics in the first round. Even the if people said, oh, if they get in the 60, they're not beating the Bucs. The Bucs are the complete opposite of what the Knicks do. Yeah, they have the talent, but the Knicks just play hard. I think they'd handle Milwaukee. I think the expectation for me now is it's going to be fun just to get in. They can win a first-round series. I 100% agree with that. I think the only team I quote-unquote fear is Miami just because we don't match up well with them. I mean, we've seen three games against them. It just, for some reason, it just doesn't click. But, I mean, even watching the 76ers last night against the Warriors, I'm not not 100% scared. I mean, I would be nervous. They are the number one seed. I think Doc Rivers is a great coach. I think they have a lot of talent. Granted, um, Tobias wasn't playing, and I don't think Ben was playing. But I don't know. I, I feel like I'm 50-50 on them. I'm 50-50 on Boston. I think as long as the Knicks can keep their foot on their necks when it comes to defense and lock them up, I mean, we're one of the best teams defending the three ball. That's going to shut a big part of their offense out. If they try to get into the paint, you're going to have to bully them. I mean, I think that that could be a series that we could also take. I'm definitely not afraid of Atlanta. Like, you want to come into the paint, Trey Young, you got to deal with Nerlens Noel. Good luck with that. I think there are a lot of teams that we could take in a series. I think when you're playing a series versus a play in a one and done, anything can happen. And I think that's the benefit of actually being in the playoff seating is that you have a lot of opportunity to go ahead and get wins. And JYD knows this because basketball is not only a game of possessions, it's a game of runs also. And sometimes the hot hand comes out on the winning end of these playoff series and catching fire at the right time going into the postseason sometimes can make all the difference. The teams that were looking so hot in the beginning and everyone was like, oh, look at them. Um, Brooklyn, perfect example. Those guys have only played together three times this season. Three. You can't just turn the Jets on in the postseason, as you can see with the Clippers last year, and expect to win a championship. It doesn't necessarily work like that. So I think that the Knicks, if they can keep this trajectory, if they can keep this continuity, I don't think anybody wants to play us. I really don't. That's how I feel. Preach and get ready because 25% capacity, baby. Come playoff time, the (laughs) Garden, 4,500 people. I'm going to be one of them in there screaming. 1,800, it's already been loud going tonight, so... 
it's going to be rocking at the Garden. 4,000 people will feel like 20,000. Yeah, just to see people back in the building will be great. I, I, I got to find myself there. You know, I was saying I'm not going to go. I just had a baby now, so it's hard for me to get out. I haven't uh, gotten the, the vaccine, so there's another hurdle to get there. However, start for the first time this last week, I started to think, man, they're going to be in the playoffs. I got to figure out a way to get to the Garden for playoffs, not just for any playoffs, because I went even in 2004 where they get swept by the, uh, the Nets back then, Isaiah welcome to the playoffs it was disrespectful to a 90s Knicks fan this is different where you're talking about now this team plays hard they play the right way they deserve to have fans go out there and support it's just such a shame that it's limited capacity anyway we're all excited about that uh maybe none more so than Ashley Nicole Moss you can see her on SNY Sports Illustrated Knicks Fan TV you can follow Ash on Twitter and Instagram at Ash Nicole Moss Ashley, I love your passion. Respect the fandom. Thank you so much for spending uh, you know a few minutes with us. You're talking some Knicks this year. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I look forward to coming back when we're in the postseason. Hey, well, you got to get in the dog pound first, Ash. I got you. Let me get one of those t-shirts. Okay. All right. That's what's happening. <laughs> That does it for us for episode 42, the David Lee edition of Big Apple Buckets, our next podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown, Brian Mungia, and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy and it's free. We appreciate the support. For Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Licata. We'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in every week. We appreciate it. Stay safe. Let's go Knicks! Knicks!